What big opportunity does it just hurt that you let go by? For me, I was in college. This is going to date me, but I feel comfortable with you, so I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I was really a big fan of this uh, singer-songwriter guy named Ryan Adams. No, I'm not old enough for Brian Adams, but this guy, Ryan Adams, I know, I know. Uh, anyway, we went to see him. I was a big fan. I loved his stuff, and we went to see him in L.A., and we waited out back just to see him come out of the venue and go into the bus, and we waited, and we waited. I think we waited for two and a half hours. We got to the end. There, I was in a group that kind of split in half. Half of us were, were not willing to wait anymore. Two and a half hours is enough. The other half of the group was like, we're going to stay here all night if that's what it takes. And so we left, and my friends tell me within two minutes of us leaving, he walked out and started shaking hands with all the fans, inviting people on the bus. And we were like, no, oh, what big opportunity that hurts when you think about it that you missed out on. We'll come back to that in a moment. My name's Eric, and I'm one of the elders here at Voice. I love this church. We've been here since uh, before day one, and we're very proud, not just of what Voice has done, but what Voice is planning to do, what we're hoping to do in the city of Tustin. We're going to continue our series today. Hello, my name is Jesus, and we are getting to know, getting to know the biblical Jesus through this series. I've really appreciated this verse-by-verse -verse style uh, of teaching the past uh, couple years that we've been going through this because it forces us to let Scripture change what we think about Jesus. I'll say that again. It forces us to stop and consider when we hit a really difficult passage, which we're going to today. It forces us to stop and consider it. Because I know if you're like me, I have, a, I have a, the tendency that when I get to a really difficult scripture that I don't understand, that I definitely don't want to obey, I have this tendency of just turning the page. Just going to the next passage, finding something familiar, find something easier. But this series has allowed us to basically forced us to stop to dwell on these tough passages and to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do because I think he wants to expand our understanding and let our lives change. So today is one of those days where I think it's possible that we're going to push past a boundary line that you have set up for Jesus. I think today our paradigms need to change. The way that we think about Christ is going to be pushed a little bit. I think we're going to push the boundary lines that surround our idea of who and what Jesus is. That's what I have in mind for today. That's what the Holy Spirit, I think, had in mind for today. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're just not there yet, that's okay. You're totally welcome here. We're glad you're here. But I think we all have space to learn something new about Jesus. Would you agree with me there? We all have space to learn something new about Jesus. But first, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. And I want to read some statistics that we know as fact. So right now, we are spinning, the earth is spinning at a thousand miles per hour. Right now, we are spinning at a thousand miles per hour. Right now, our planet is moving around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. If our orbital distance, if the distance between us and the sun, if it changes 
0.001 degree, all life on the planet ends like that. And the God that we serve holds all of this together. That's where I think we need to start today. This is, rem reminder, this is the being that is without limitation. This is the being that exists outside of what we call time and space. John 1, 1 says this. John 1, verses 1, 2, and 3 say, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and just in case you thought there was wiggle room, nothing was created except through him. He created everything from nothing, and he's perfect. And then John 1 says this in verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Word became flesh, moved into the neighborhood, and decided to live among us. And this is Jesus. That's where we start today. He came to save us. He came to show us how to be fully human. He came to show us how to have a real relationship with God again. And here's where I think the change begins. Fast forward to Jesus in the garden. He, this is the night before he goes to the cross in the morning. And he is terrified, as we all would be. He was about to die, and he's on this road to his death. And I think we have to ask, what was his posture? Now think about that word for a minute, posture. It usually uh, references what we're doing with our body, but it could also reference what we're doing with our attitude. And what we see in all four Gospels, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, John 6, if all four Gospels say it, please pay attention. All four Gospels record Jesus on his knees, like this, saying a simple phrase, God, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. His posture was in full humility towards the Father. See, posture is really important. When we ask a really important question of our future spouse, what's our posture? right? This is the only posture that makes sense when we're asking that question. Or when we play with kids, what's our posture? We get down on their level. And all of these different postures communicate, communicate how we relate to that person. See, posture is important in relationship, but our culture, I don't think, we don't celebrate the posture of humility we celebrate what I'm calling today the Captain America posture, right? In Endgame, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, you should go see it soon. It's been a while. But uh, we, 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 we don't celebrate the posture of humility. We love the Captain America posture where he's, he's down and out. And then all of a sudden the portals op open up behind him. And the army comes. And Thor's hammer slams into his hand. And he just, his posture, instead of, defeated his posture he just his chest his chest puffs out 
And this is the posture that our culture celebrates. Self-reliance. Strength. But Jesus' posture towards God should be the posture that we let dictate our life. Let's think about posture this morning. Today, we're going to be in Luke 17. We're going to read the first 10 uh, verses. And the title of the message today is The Disciples' Posture. And we're going we're gonna to read a passage, folks, that is not easy. Not easy. But it's good. Let's read the first 10 verses, and then we'll come back and break it down. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another person, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Luke 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. What a great statement to what Jesus has just said. He continues on. Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. It's easier to move mountains. It's easier to move trees than to make people, make sinners follow Christ. Verse 7, and when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Does that sound like your concept of Jesus so far? Then you can eat later, Jesus says. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? <laughs> of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, Jesus says to his disciple, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. If you just took a big sigh, you're tracking. You're feeling it. I am the dean of Crossroads Christian High School. And as a dean, I'm in charge of basically having the worst conversations. That is my, that's my loose translation. That's my job description. Basically, we have hard conversations every day. But we also have really great conversations every day. And what's interesting about having corrective conversations and conversations that celebrate things that they've done really well, I'm having both conversations with the same people. And I think that's important to remember that to be successful, we need both conversations. We need to be corrected and we need to be celebrated. I think today the tone of what Jesus is trying to say to us, to me, is that this is a corrective type of conversation today. This is a corrective type of conversation today. Let's go back and break it down. Verse 1. Jesus says, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? What's the difference between temptation and testing? What's the difference between temptation and testing? James 1, 
I think, explains the purpose of the testing of our faith by saying this. Verses 2, 3, and 4, James 1. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any, come, of any kind come your way, consider, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Testing comes from God. And the reason for testing is to make faith stronger. Church, if you haven't connected yet, if you're not listening yet, this is the time. The purpose of testing is to build us up. The purpose of testing is to strengthen our trust in him. We can learn things during a season of testing that we won't learn in other seasons of life. So if things are difficult, Jesus and James encourage us to not let those difficulties become reasons to stop trusting God. Don't let those difficulties become reasons to stop trusting God. Those difficulties are opportunities to see just how big, how loving, how creative, and how trustworthy God is. Testing comes from God. It's good for us. But temptation is the opposite. It's not from God. It's from his enemy. It's from his enemies and maybe even the enemy within that wants me to walk away from him. Temptation doesn't want to make us stronger. It wants us to throw in the towel. And instead of walking with Christ, we walk away from him. Temptation, that the purpose is to get you to walk away from God, and instead of trusting in Jesus, to trust in yourself. And that's the posture that I think we need to correct today if you are a disciple. We need to be walking with Jesus in humility. Even before Instagram and Twitter and Internet and all that stuff that we consider uh, our major influences today. 2,000 years ago, Jesus acknowledges that you are an influencer. I know that's a buzzword today, but Jesus called it a long time ago because that's how God designed us. We have influence on each other. We affect each other because of our relationships, because of trust. And he says, there's always going to be temptations to sin, but sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. Jesus, in a corrective tone, says, be careful with what you do with your influence. Be careful with that. If you are the one who is using your influence to convince people to walk away from faith, watch out. That's what he says. Romans 14.12 says, Paul writes, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Yikes. Some of us <clears throat> need to make some changes today because of what we heard. Maybe it's time to stop doing the thing, to start doing the thing you know you should, to stop looking at that thing online, to start speaking to that person in a different way. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will convict you, praise the Lord for that, and he will lead you towards the way of life instead. Now, I'm used to hard conversations that's like my job. 
So since we're already, a ha already having a hard conversation, let's just move on to forgiveness. Why not? Why not? Let's keep going to forgiveness. Jesus says, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, the, the, the Peter, the guy who just gets it wrong most of the time. I love Peter. Asks Jesus, says this in Matthew 18, verse 21, says Peter came up to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Like how many times? Can you break it down? I want to know exactly how many times I'm supposed to forgive. And Jewish custom, Jewish culture at that time, uh, the, the common idea was that three times, if somebody, if, you, if somebody did the same thing in the same way three times, you, you could forgive them. But the fourth time? So Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, I think he's kind of like sucking up to the teacher here a little bit. How many times must I forgive? Seven. Guys, did you hear me? I said seven. Thinking Jesus is about to say, Nailed it. Good job. And Jesus responds, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven times, as if to say there is not an end to the times that you should be forgiving others. That's not how you forgive people the way that, that, that God does. See, now, I want to be careful with this. Because I do think that every disciple of Christ is called to forgive every single time. But I also understand that forgiving someone is different sometimes than offering them back your full trust. See, we're talking about giving somebody the freedom. We're talking about releasing them from their debt. The debt that was incurred when they wronged you. We're releasing them of that debt. But setting up healthy boundaries is a good thing. And being careful and wise with your decisions is a good and godly thing. We're talking about forgiveness in the way where you no longer hold that grudge. You no longer hold that against them. Jesus urges us who follow him into a different posture. Here's the Eric West translation. I think what Jesus says is, stop forgiving others, Peter. Eric, those of you who are listening, stop forgiving others when you want God to stop forgiving you. Stop forgiving others when you want God to stop forgiving you. That's not something I just made up. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, Jesus says at the end of the Lord's Prayer, but if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's how it works. We freely forgive because he freely forgives. I urge you today as our second point, if you haven't already, release the person from that offense. Forgive them. If you need to set up healthy boundaries, if you need some help with that, talk to one of our pastors. Talk to a, a trusted friend, but forgive them. Why? Because God forgave you, and because forgiving them sets you free as well. 
Forgiving them sets you free as well. So today we're talking about the posture as of a disciple. And I want to close the message, this is my third point, with a different thought. So hang with me as I talk through this for a second. Different cultures relate to power differently. Let me say it again. Different cultures relate to power differently. In the, in the 80s, this Dutch social psychologist, his name is Gert Hofstede, I think. That's how you pronounce it. He, he did this study, and he realized that, that depending on the culture, there are two ways that the culture respects or interacts with power. The first one is a high power distance, where rank is highly uh, elevated, okay? Where rank and authority are highly respected. There's a clear hierarchy. People understand that the power is not evenly distributed. Some have more, and some have less. And then there's a low power distance culture. They're more democratic, more participatory, and informal. There's higher accountability, and even more willingness to challenge authority. Like a boss, a pastor, or a president, you still see them as your equal. And I think that our culture has a low power distance, and I want to be careful as we talk about posture as a disciple to Jesus. There are some positives. There are some good things to, I think, our low power distance culture. But we need to be careful when we call Jesus our friend first and our Lord second. We need to be careful when we call Jesus our friend first and our Lord second. See, today, I think we're pushing the boundary lines of what it means to believe and follow Jesus. This is the being who is outside of time and space, who is literally sustaining our entire existence. All things were created through him. He gave up everything to die on a cross so that you would not suffer the consequences. This is the being, the word of God, that through all things were created, and he came down as a helpless baby to come and set you free we need to be careful calling him friend and equal first and instead call him Lord, Master, and God first. Jesus says this in Luke 17, the third portion. He says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, serve me while I eat, and then you can eat later. This is Jesus speaking. Feel free to read it. Luke 17 and verse 9. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. Like, it doesn't work that way. In the same way, Jesus says, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Wow. Our posture today, maybe if you're standing next to Jesus or you're relating to him and your posture is big and proud and tall and strong and self-reliant, maybe you're not experiencing God because you're out of position. Maybe today you need to start working on a humble posture and calling him Lord first. And what's interesting about that posture is Jesus has an answer for that too. 
for all who are willing to posture themselves as a disciple, he says this. And this is where I'm going to close. Worship band, you can come on up. John 13 says, verses 12 through 17, says, When he had washed their feet, Jesus has just washed the feet of his disciples. This is something only slaves and servants do. When he had washed the feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher, and you call me Lord, and you are right. For I am so. For if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What was Jesus' posture when he was washing feet? On his knees, washing the dirtiest part of a person in those days. The Lord of all creation washing people's feet. See, I think we started with the question, what opportunity have you missed that you're just like, ah, such a bummer that I missed that opportunity. I think today, if we are not willing to put Jesus as Lord in our life, we are going to feel that way about missing this opportunity today. We will miss the opportunity to serve the God of the universe. See, it's easy for me to elevate like a rock star, a successful businessman or woman or whatever. But there's just something that works against my spirit when I want to elevate Jesus into that Lord role. That he gets to tell me what to do. He gets to tell me to he gets to tell me no. He gets to correct my behavior. When you get there and call him Lord, Jesus says, you're right. And now I wash your feet so that you can wash the feet of others. So as we wrap up, there's three things. Don't try to take all three. Maybe just identify one. One thing that is your takeaway for today. God wants you to act today on one of these things. Let me recap and then we'll pray. Number one is be careful with your influence. In an age where we literally have influence at our fingertips to anyone in the world who has access to internet, be careful with your influence. Number two is forgive freely. In no way... In no way am I saying that this is easy. In no way. I've experienced some times where forgiving has been extremely sacrificial. It has cost me a lot to forgive. But we must forgive freely because we are freely forgiven. Our Lord tells us to do that. And then third, and in closing, today to posture ourselves with humility to the one that sets us free. Today, if you can't say for sure that you have officially committed 
to calling Jesus Lord, to putting him in that position in your life, why not today? Why not just say a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. I want to follow you in my life. I want to do life your way. I give up being Lord of my own life. You can say that to him right now in your heart and mind. He hears you and he will respond. Also, if you would like to talk to a pastor today, I know our our two pastors are are extremely available to talk after service. Or if you want to get a hold of us online, email, we will respond to that. Why don't we all stand and let's pray together in closing. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve. We thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. Lord, would we learn to call Jesus Lord first and then listen for when Jesus calls us friend. Holy Spirit, you want us to act on one of these three things today. Would you show us how? And for those of us who maybe are making first-time commitments or recommitting, God, would you meet us right where we're at? Give us the courage to connect with uh, a pastor or somebody close and tell, tell someone that we've made that choice. God, may our lives change because of your word. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen.